start by being honest with ourselves. As a nation, for decades, we were perfectly happy to write off whole neighborhoods, whole cities, whole generations of young men and women. As long as it was an inner city problem, an urban problem, which is to say, a black people problem, a brown people problem. Send them to prison, into a system from which they'll never return. Maybe now, now that it's really come home to roost, now that it's the high school quarterback, your next door neighbor, your son, your daughter, now that grandma's as likely to be a junkie as anybody else, we'll accept that there has never been a real war on drugs. War on drugs implies an us versus them. And all over this part of America, people are learning there is no them. There is only us. And we're gonna to have to figure this out together. Today in America, we are seeing, and this is a tragedy so unspeakable, it's hard almost to discuss it. But today, a young, young, a black male born today stands a one in four chance of ending up in jail. That is absolutely and totally unacceptable. And our job as a nation is to start investing in communities of need, communities of color, so that young people have the education, have the job training, have the health care that they need so they can get, with an education, get their lives together. So we've got a lot of work in front of us. And no one person can do it alone. What we need are billions of people standing together, not letting our opponents divide us up for all kinds of dumb reasons, standing together to say that in America, yeah, we are going to have a government that works for all of us, not just the few. That's why I'm running for president, and I thank you very much for allowing me to say a few words. 30. Hello, Baltimore. My name is Tyrone Post on the DPP. W. Heating Cooling. And welcome to our show called Tyrone Show. And I'm here with uh, one of my millennial uh, co-hosts, uh, Zachary uh, Leacock, social media entrepreneur who majored in audio production, radio, TV, and film at Howard University. He's a socially conscious vegan and a producer of the Channel 10 Podcast, which features interviews with pioneering rap artists. Say hello, Zach. Hey, good afternoon, Baltimore. Okay. Now, uh, my other millennial uh, co-host is uh, currently in Oklahoma, as we, we cited before on, on previous shows. And um, he's uh, he's uh, he's an instructor there, and he has some business to take care of. Uh, he's currently enrolled in uh, PhD studies, and he has some courses he has to take care of to prepare him to teach other young men and women his age uh, on uh, history and, and other matters of that sort with that software. Um, but hopefully, he'll be back with us uh, as soon as he as soon as he can uh, get um, the opportunity. But he has a better opportunity right now, and he's taking advantage of that. And, uh, and I agree with that. Okay, now, <laughs> now what you heard uh, previously was uh, was uh, Bernie Sanders, and we <laughs> I guess we missed that boat. He, how he was saying that uh, one in four blacks, actually the, the stats that I saw were one in three. Okay, the stats that I keep seeing one in three black males born today will be incarcerated before he dies. And um, uh, we, I, <laughs> I guess that's not important to us, but to him he says it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable to me. Okay, I don't know how unacceptable it is to you, 
to you, it maybe don't matter. You know, maybe if we pull our pants up or something and we can solve the problem. I think not. Okay. I don't think, I think, yes, we have personal responsibility. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. We have personal responsibility. We need to do things. We need to strive for excellence. We, used to get, we need to get educated as much as possible. And uh, we need to avoid the pitfalls that we fall in, we continue to fall into. But there are some institutional um, roadblocks out there, and we're just here to identify them, okay? These, are, these roadblocks are, 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 are real. They're not in our imagination. And um, they exist. Um, recently, we just had a, 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 uh, a gentleman, uh, well, I don't know, <laughs> 14-year-old, rather. Um, he, uh, unfortunately, um, he uh, stole a car, and uh, he uh, ended up killing a, an 8-year-old. And when I heard that news, I was very angry. You know, I wanted him to, you know, to be hanged and all this kind of stuff. And I was, I was just, you know, totally angry. Just like anybody, you know, I have a daughter. Okay, I have a daughter, and 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 this this information really um touched me in, in my heart. I was, I was at a visceral level, and I was very angry. But the takeaway for, from this for me, once I got a chance to think things through, and it, and it was totally that young man's fault for stealing that car. But the takeaway for that is for me is, I don't know if he's being chased, but if and I don't know what the policy is for Baltimore City Police Department, but. They should not be chasing people through school zones, okay? If that's what happened, I don't know if that's what, I was not there. I'm not saying that happened. I, I do not know what happened. But if he stole my car, I would rather them let him take it somewhere and, and get it later or, or just keep it. I got full coverage for insurance than to kill a young, uh, you know, than have somebody die, you know, for material possessions, okay? And I have had my car stolen my way. Wasn't a big deal, you know, that the kid went draw you ride with it. You know, I lent, I lent my car to my son. He went down the hood to play basketball. Kid took the car, joy ride with the car, got the car back. Nobody got killed. That's the way I wanted it. If, if they had to kill somebody to get that car, I, you know, I didn't never want to see again. I could have got another one because I had full coverage insurance, like I said. And I don't, I worry about things that are really serious. And human life to me is more serious than, than those material possessions, especially an eight-year-old girl like that. So, I don't, like, as I said before, I don't know what the policy is. For the police department, and I'm not blaming, you know, I'm not blaming anybody. It's totally that young man's fault. But there is a culpability if they chase them through that school zone. And um, I hope that's not along the lines that anything goes in our neighborhoods. So as long as we catch the Negro, you know, in that case, let him go. Okay, enough said about that. Um, okay, now <laughs> I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Okay, <laughs> even though she, when Bernie Sanders was getting locked up and, and uh, for civil rights, uh, she was a Goldwater girl. Now, you got to look that up. Hillary Clinton Goldwater. Barry Goldwater. Goldwater girl, Hillary Clinton. If you Google that, you'll find out that she was once a Republican, one of the young Republicans, and she uh, actually was a Goldwater girl. Goldwater, Barry Goldwater, if you don't know, was against the Civil Rights uh, Act and, and uh, <laughs> the Voters' Rights Act, and uh, Dr. King didn't think very highly of, of him. He was a very dangerous man, by the way. So, And I know we don't do our research, so <laughs> we're going to vote for people because we like them, because they're, you know, they're Clinton. I guess we're going to vote for their daughter next without knowing anything about her. So, <laughs> like I said, we missed the boat of the person that should have been, that would have been doing and probably had a better chance against Donald Trump than she did. But I will not vote for Donald Trump under any circumstances. Okay. So, what we're going to talk about now is, uh, is this Thomas? Yep. Okay. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, hold on a second, Thomas. We're going to talk about um, policing in Baltimore City. Okay. Since so, so I, I broached the subject. And uh, I got some material from uh, an interview with uh, a police officer, former police officer from Baltimore City. His name is Michael Woods. 
Okay, he's, he's um he speaks out about the things that go on in the police bar that we don't know about. Okay, but the police do know because they're there. Okay, we we, we just know what we see on TV and what they what they what they allow us to hear at press conferences. Okay, so let's talk about how bad. Let's talk about before we go to call. Just hold on, Thomas. We'll, we'll get to. Let's talk about how bad it, it, it is. Okay, here's one: punting a handcuffed face down suspect in the face after a foot chase. Um. Pissing inside suspects' homes during raids on their beds and clothes, jacking up and illegally searching thousands of people with no legal justification. This is crazy, man. This is crazy stuff. Well, when when you're doing it, it's just what police do. You know it. You've seen mm. it on TV. You've seen it driving by. You've seen a corner full of black guys with the cops searching them. You've seen mm. it. And right. when they're going into those pockets, you can't go into those pockets. You simply can't. But we do. And you're not allowed to. N- right. It's illegal. You, you have no way of doing it unless you're you're getting uh, a, a frisk where you have you can justify plain field doctoring. And- records, criminal records, and it becomes normal. And I don't know how to fix that. And I don't I don't see any effort whatsoever in really engineering some sort of a solution to what these poor unfortunate people are born into. Well, for police, it's even worse because we're perpetuating that situation. So we're, we're the ones doing that cycle. So when we see a 16... One time I was a shift commander in the Eastern District, and I'm telling my guys, stop pulling over old white ladies. Stop pulling over that young, cute girl. Stop. We focus on who commits the crimes. And who commits the crimes in Baltimore? 16 to 24-year-old black males. That's who's committing the crimes. So focus on them. That makes sense. Until you complete the cycle and realize that you started doing that because of institutionalized racism in your organization. And so when you are jacking up those guys in the corner and you do find that dime bag, so you send him to jail. Now he can't go to work the next day, so he loses his job. And then he can't make it to court, so he gets his license suspended. And then he's driving, and then you are focusing on those 16 to 24-year black males. So now you're more likely to pull them over. Now you pull him over. Now he has a suspended license. Now he gets his license revoked. And now he can't get to the job legally. And you just and now, now he's dealt, it's left with selling drugs in the corner. So you we're, we're creating it. We have to step back and realize what the facts are on what we're doing. And, and the number one problem is the drug war and then we have money and politics those are our two big issues okay okay <laughs> now he just identified you know a couple points there um the number one thing is when we criminalize a whole segment of, of society it uh it makes things seem normal something like like and i'm not just finding anything something like stealing a car <laughs> i mean that's what you do i'm you know uh, michael wood that police officer says like 30 percent of the people in Freddie gray's neighborhood are incarcerated so it, it, these are these kids' fathers and, and things like that. So there's a cycle. If you don't live in those neighborhoods, you understand this. But there's a cycle that's created by over-policing in these neighborhoods for things like uh, marijuana possession and, 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 th- and the like, where we know that whites smoke marijuana at the same rates as, as us, but we're six times more likely to be arrested because of the uh, policing in our neighborhoods. We want the murderers caught. We want them caught. But those closure rates for murders are very low. They're not locking up the murderous people, the, the murderers. They're locking up people for low-level uh, drug possession. And and in some cases, breaking their necks for low-level uh, drug possession. Makes no sense. Uh, let's let's take Thomas real quick. Okay. Good afternoon, Thomas. Hey, guys. How you doing today, man? All right, All sir. All right. How's it going? Hey, listen. The closure rate for the Baltimore City Police Department in any crime is low. Okay? <laughs> Good point. I mean, Excellent on. point. Excellent you point. Got, 
1995, your closure rate of crime by Baltimore City Police Department, you can pick it murder, burglary, rape, or whatever, it's at about 20 to 25% closure rate. Okay, according to that police officer, you're right, because according to that police officer that just spoke, Michael Wood, he says 90% of their arrests is based on drugs, drug arrests. It's easy because we sell drugs different from white folks. Even though the Brookings Institute said that white people actually sell drugs more than we do. 6% of young white males have sold drugs compared to 5% of black young black males. Even though that's, even though that, according to Brookings Institute, not my, these are my figures, Brookings Institute, you can Google it. Um, even though they sell more drugs than us, we're, we're, we're easy to catch because we stand on the corner uh-huh. out there selling in the open. They sell them indoors. They sell drugs indoors. They, don't, right. they know the house to go to, and they sell them indoors. And they're not penalized well, for, for the most part. Well, for them, when, 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 when your white community do that, they call it a recreation drug. Okay? <laughs> but I've heard I, that. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about, okay? Okay. And I'm going to back up what you're Larry saying Holden, in a minute. Larry Holden came into office. Right. Uh, all of a sudden, we had a whole bunch of overdose in Annapolis, Maryland. You guys remember that? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. opioid. They call it epidemic. An opioid. We did a show on it. Yep. Right. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was an epidemic. It was an epidemic in Maryland. Right. They were called the new face of heroin, is what they were called, meaning white people are now <laughs> dying too much. Go ahead. But where did where did it take place at? The uh, neighbor yard, the neighbor academy. Okay. <laughs> you had a bunch of white, you had a bunch of young privileged white kids out there experimenting with drugs, making the stuff there on the on 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 the neighbor on the neighbor academy's ground there, bringing it into community, selling it. Oh. Now all of a sudden. <laughs> I don't all know. Of a sudden, it's a problem. I haven't heard that, Thomas. I, you, you, you have any, anywhere we can get that from, or, or I'll tell you what, go, to the ba- go to the Baltimore Sun. Go to the Baltimore Sun. Write that down. Article back November fifteenth. November fifteenth. November fifteenth, two thousand and thirteen. Thirteen. Okay, we'll check it out. I just okay. can't have stuff over the air that I can't confirm. When I say something is there, I can confirm it. Okay, I'm not just Let talking me. out of my butt. I just want people to know that. Okay. I understand that. Hey, I, <laughs> and I, I, I like to keep it that way in my cars. Okay. That's why, I call it to, that's why I call it to your show. But I tell you this, too. That young 14-year-old that took that car and hit that young girl with. Yes, sir. That, was, that wasn't his first offense. His first steal of the car. Of course not. Was, of course not. He, he probably has a long record of, uh, of infraction. But he stole the car before, and back then, the cops pulled off, and they give it, didn't give chase. Nowadays. They said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They said, in all fairness, they said they didn't give chase. They said that at the press conference, but they okay, did. They did say, if you read the article, they said that they turned the the, the light on, and they made a U turn. Now, when you turn the light on and make a U turn, I don't know what you're doing, but as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> if I'm a perpetrator, you, you're making chase. Okay? You're giving chase. Yeah. Uh, also, we we had a guy that that took a car down 83 and ran, you know, at right, high right. speed. Right. I remember and, and, and flipped the, the car. Guy. And killed kill, the guy. Kill a guy downtown. Right. But they said then that they wouldn't give him a chase. Right. Then. Yep. I mean, they're going to lie. Come on. <laughs> yeah. You pursue me. They, they didn't use the word giving chase. They said that they pursued him. They're never going to admit to, to giving chase to that guy. They're never going to do it. Okay. There's too much liability involved. And if they did give chase, they were wrong. Not in the school zone. Let them keep the exactly. car. You know? But I'm t- I tell you, man, we have to get. Something has to happen. We have to get this stuff under control because young kids nowadays, man, this next generation that's coming, they're screaming for help. Absolutely. We'll get to that. 
We'll get to what you think the same trend. We're going to dig a little deeper. We're going to analyze this thing because not all young people are bad. I just want to put that out there. There's, small, there's a minority of, of young people that are doing perpetrating these things, but I know a lot of young people that are doing great things. And I'm sure you have people in your family, nephews yes. and nieces, that are doing fa- fantastic things. So don't just think, just because this doesn't happen, that all young people are crazy and they're, they're out of control because that's not the truth. All oh, right? That's not true. We, we got some old heads out here crazier. And when I say crazier, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm 50 years old, man. I've seen this guy. I know he's 63 years old, walking around with his pants hanging off his behind. He's a, he's a, he's, he's, he's a, I don't want to say on the air, but he's an ass. <laughs> okay. You know, right. because, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that, he should be setting the example. You're right. That, that's, that's disgraceful. Okay, so let's talk about. And, and and I did need to say that, by the way. I mean, that's just great. You need to set example if, for these young men and women. You can't be out here and you and we just have Father's Day. You know, you got to you got to set the example for your son or your daughter. And I think I've always done that. Um, I'm wearing a shirt my son just bought me for Father's Day, and um, you you always want to you always want to represent. If you have young ones, um, uh, you know, I, I I enjoyed my Father's Day. I went to Juneteenth uh, celebration, as as a matter of fact. And if my kids were still little, I would have took them with me. We went, I, was, I drove all the way to St. Mary's County. They had nice. Uh, you want to talk about that? Some of the stuff they. Yeah, it was pretty. Um, you was, got there <laughs> before I got there, right? Right, right. So Left um, before I got there, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was pretty nice. They had a lot of activities for the kids. Um, you know, face painting and horse rides and things like that. And um, you know, they had just information about you know St. Mary's County and the history behind it. And you know, they are uh, black soldiers from St. Mary's County who um, actually participated in the uh, Civil War. And they actually had an interesting uh, monument, which I need to look more into, where they had the uh, the white soldiers who died. From from St. Mary's County, and then they had the black wow. soldiers on a different part. Um, I don't know if you saw that. that was in the back by the parking right. lot. Um, and then they just had, uh, you know, the entertainment. They good had music, music. all different types of um, of uh, facets of uh, African-American music, from gospel to African drumming to uh, jazz. And um, it was just a really nice event. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I totally enjoyed it. They had a very good band there. They had drummers, and, and oh, it was just fantastic. And, and the people that don't know what Juneteenth is, as we spoke of on the last show, it was the last slaves that were free. They were put down in, in Texas picking cotton after two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Right. And they and the general rolled in there with two thousand troops and said, Hey, stop picking that cotton, y'all free. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody told them. See, their masters didn't tell them that they were free. They just kept letting them pick that cotton in that hot sun in Texas and without pay. You think they got back pay? I think not. <laughs> but um okay, let's talk about um uh, uh, it's policing practice every. Uh, we got some calls. We, we'll get to you. Let's find out if police is practicing is practiced everywhere the same way. This crime in America is disrespecting a cop. Like it's not actually on the books, right? There's no law that says you're not allowed to disrespect police officers. But you could, you know, run someone over. You could rape someone. You could shoot nine people in a black church, and you'll get a birth. You know, they'll get, pick up Burger King for you and everything will be fine as long as you're respectful when the cops show up, right? But if, the, if you're in any way don't follow a command, a world of hurts coming your way. Uh, am I overstating that or is that roughly right? No, I mean, there's a thing where people say you get locked up on a humble. So if you ask a... I don't know that. What yeah, is that? If you ask a dealer or you ask somebody, uh, a 16, 24-year-old black male in the ghetto, they've been locked up on a humble once before. And that means that they're being humbled. So they ran their mouth a little bit, so they got a disorderly, or they did something, so you're writing them a full parking ticket or moving violation or something like that. So it's <laughs> just, isn't it, even a term for it. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, okay, I'm going to humble you. By, by the way, if you humble a kid in the suburbs and you put a, a, a criminal record on him, that'd be a huge deal. I, I imagine that that citation would be revoked before you handed it in. Right? <laughs> Whereas, if you do it in the community, what, what power does that kid have to fight back against? None, that's why you do it. Ah, it's so frustrating. And we, we are, again, your first thing is ringing through my head. Did you think the black, <laughs> to the whole country, did you think the black community all across the country was lying all this time? No, this is what they experienced. They know it. You don't know it because you didn't live that. Because when the cops show up in, in, in the nice white neighborhoods with the streams, they don't go and do the same things. No, yeah. Don't you? Ah, that's, that's, it's a particular guy who was younger and he was selling marijuana. All he did was sell marijuana. So all that was about everybody. Mm -hmm. And he went, would go out, he was young, had a kid, and he would sell weed to make some money. And we would lock him up. But then he had the record and we would, he would go out there and try to make some money for his kid because he needed diapers. And we'd be locking him up again and I'd interview him and he would cry and he'd tell me his stories. And like, what the heck are we doing? What are we doing? This isn't. This isn't right. This isn't service. This isn't protecting. I am. I am an active participant in tearing this kid's life down because somebody made a stupid law that doesn't make any sense. The Northern District. I went to this place called Mount Washington. Mm -hmm. And that was. Where am I? This is Baltimore. Like mm -hmm. I'm driving down Cross Country Boulevard, and there's a stream next to me. I'm having a like, yeah. oh, There's like citizens out mowing the lawn, and and so I'm like, well. These, these are the same people as me. Mm-hmm. None of us these people. So I got to had to get stats. You have to get your arrest. You have to get everything that you're going to bring back to show you did something. So I can't arrest the judge's son that's walking around there. I'm not going to jack him up and search him, right? Mm -hmm. So I would go to the Park Heights and to the black neighborhood, and I would get my arrest there so that I can make my supervisors happy because we all knew I wasn't going to arrest anybody in Mount Washington. Why? Wow. Okay. Okay, people, so, you know, this is not me saying that. That is a former police officer saying that. And he was a squad commander for a while in the Baltimore City Police Force. He's just spilling the beans about what goes on. That's the reality of it. And I've said time and time on this show, and I know y'all thought it was BS, that policing is not practiced the same way in Santana, Winchester, as is practiced in places like Roland Park. I've said that several times on this show, and that just confirms what I already knew, and you should know, because by application of simple common sense. Okay, so you know a lot of people that live in these nice neighborhoods, these uh, some of these gated communities and stuff, they don't have to worry about the police smashing their house and knocking the door down for a bag of marijuana. But you better watch out if you're doing that in Sandtown, Winchester. Okay, let's go to Eric. Good afternoon, Eric. How's it going? Hey, good afternoon, um, Tyrone and your guest. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, Tyrone, um, I've listened to you and um, I enjoy listening to you doing a good job. I'm the former police officer that um, you heard me speak. I heard you um, mention what I uh, called in on uh, on the early on the morning show. Okay, okay, how, yeah, I've heard they, you. How, yeah. they, how they can um, track down these uh, cops that are uh, like killing or abusing black. Let me let me I make one thing clear, sir. I don't think all police officers are bad. I don't. I right. really don't. But we do oh. have a lot of bad ones. <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah, wait so, a minute. I know. Yeah. I mean, believe me, believe so me. We have I, good I ones too. But uh, what I was saying is, I was saying, I was saying, I was the one that, you know, I heard you tell Al Sharpton what I said, and I appreciated it because um, I was saying the way to track that down is, is that we need, the president should have did it, put some undercover federal troops 
federal black police officers, you know, put them locally in the communities and have them out there, you know, where you can see the abuse of the police. Yeah. And, 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 and there'll be federal agents, federal agents out there just like any other citizen mm-hmm. playing basketball on the basketball <laughs> court. All kind. Of, let me tell you, and you, they will find a lot of civil rights violations and even things that lead to officers that um, claim that they were under attack some kind of way and ended up killing somebody. Right. So, so you're saying that you you're saying that some police officers are bad and you're a police officer. Well, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm a retired police. Okay, officer. Okay, but you're saying some of them are bad. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah, Okay. Some people don't believe that now. No, no. See, before I was a police officer, you know, I I grew up in in uh, low income housing and right and and you know, so I I know about the streets. I've seen both sides and through the grace of God. Yeah. So I didn't get Same in here. trouble. Same here. I didn't get in trouble. Either. It didn't father. stop me. It didn't stop me from doing things, you know, through the grace of God. Not that I was better than anybody nope. else. I agree. It's the fact that I made some better decisions, and it was time. And, to and you were lucky people. enough to, to avoid getting caught. Right. <laughs> the grace of God Just was like on me. my side and some things. So look. Right. Now I know that some people who I grew up with were just like me, and some of them, you know, they went to jail for just like you saying being on the basketball court playing basketball. The police come up and. Look around on the ground and find something. Just grab anybody. My and brother everybody. got locked up, just like you said. He got locked up for um, drinking beer. <laughs> and um, he wasn't like he wasn't even drinking beer. He was just there, and they had beer in the in the um in in the, in the vicinity. Somebody was drinking the beer, but he he and my brother's mess by the way. He's not lying to me. He said you know, he didn't even have a beer, and he got locked up. So I've had and this that, happen to my family, you know. Right. He was just well, in the area. I'm sorry. He wasn't even drinking the beer. And they lock them up. That's, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, there's so many people that, that have done what I've done. I grew up with some guys that some of them were, you know, I went to college and I got my degree. And, you know, I graduated cum, um, cum laude wow. and all that stuff, right? You're a smart but man. Was, but there were guys, <laughs> though, listen, listen, this is true, though. There's many guys that I know right now, they were smarter than me, right? Yep. And they qualified for police positions and all kinds of yep. They would have, but because... Of the police system, the police state. Them being snagged. It messed, it yep. messed them up. I agree. Right? I agree. And, I, and and that's why I like what you're saying, you know, because you, you're, you what you're doing is real. Yeah. Look, I agree with everything you just said. I know people like that. that you Just like you said, they're as smart as I am. But I was able to, because I didn't get caught, not because I'm any more innocent than they are, that right. I was able to, to, to uh, you know, go to the military, you know, get commissioned as an officer there and, yeah, uh, get my get my licenses. I got like three um, professional licenses, and that that at that time you couldn't if you had a drug offense you couldn't get those licenses. Okay, they would bar you from them, and and only because I stayed out of trouble. And now I got my own business, you know. But yeah. like you say, there by the grace God go ah. There's a lot of black men that aren't as smart as you. They think that it's just because they're better than those people. That's why they they where they're at. Well, there's too many of them like that. Right, but I really want to add this to the conversation. There's two things that I want to add to it that's very important. Um, the Police Athletic League, mm-hmm. you know, with what I what I can't stand about our politicians in Baltimore. Go ahead, sir. I mean, this stuff that's going on, a lot of that could have been prevented. Look, when you had the Police Athletic League, you had a safe haven. Absolutely, for I agree. all these children I, I agree. worked in it. Now, they can't say nothing to about what I'm saying to counter that because I was a police officer that worked in the police athletic that? league. And so now let me tell you something. Sometimes we would have up to these pal 
60 to 90 kids a day, right? Right. In these po- and they were not in trouble. When they got out of school, we, they brought their homework. We required them, bring your homework. Right. They and they gave them, the other thing it does is gave them positive connections to the police without, you know, without any negativity. Tyrone, so, yeah. they gave them everything. Yeah. I mean, we fed them. We sit down, me personally, mm-hmm. I spent time with Mentor. them, mm-hmm. working on them, working with them with their homework. Mm-hmm. Some of them went to college. Some of them that was a mentor program, sir. That was a mentor program. And and, and, and uh, the summer jobs program too. With the things that work, they don't oh. they don't apply. Oh, speaking of that, in the summer we they even we even had them as some have summer jobs. The teenagers with us. So now this is this is what's important about it. All right, everybody, oh, everybody. It's not like they want to be in a gang. It's like the it's like they have to because. If you live on this right. block, yeah, you then you're a crip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you live on this block, everybody is a the blood, or yeah, and then, then this down the street, the blood. So when you walk down the street, they're gonna get you. And if you don't want to join the crip, they're gonna get you. You get your ass kicked. We had the police athletic league, right? Right. We protected them from that, and so we put it like when you get them, they got a soft shell. Eric, so I'm glad you called. Us, Eric, I'm glad you uh, called, sir. You just putting this stuff right out where people can get because a lot of people, you'd be surprised how many people don't understand that connection. And uh, I meant to mention that too. Like just like you said, if you not if you it's not that you want to be in the gang, it's that you have no right. choice, really, in a lot of cases. And people don't right. adults don't get that. The older people they don't get it. Man, listen, if I'm gonna tell you, when we got them at six and seven years old, I'll call them soft shell. That means that they could be harmed. But we kept them until they was eight. They were eighteen. By the time they turned seventeen or eighteen, they developed a relationship with us. And then the streets couldn't get them most of the time. Now, I ain't going to say it was 100%, but the, most of the time, they're going on to college. They, they saw better things. Right, so right. And the, everybody, Ravens, every kid should get out of Baltimore. They had the Ravens organization. Yeah, yeah. They were dealing with professional football players. I mean, we mentored. It was perfect. You know what? The bottom line is, is this. Had they kept that, but they let, listen, they let BFL, the former commissioner, he ended the program, and, and Sheila Dixon was the mayor. She gave him the authority and the okay to kill a program. Whoa. I know this because I was working in it. Whoa. I don't understand why she <laughs> did that. And Whoa. so my point of it is, is that I saw the pain in them children's eyes when it was ending. Mm-hmm. They were afraid. They were afraid because that's all they had was us to protect. Yeah. Most of their parents were on drugs and their grandparents were, uh, most of the, and their grandparents the, were raising a lot of. Right. And that's the other point. The that's the other, that's the other point, Eric, that a lot of people miss. Um, is that a lot of the parents are on drugs? They don't get that. You didn't. Right. We didn't grow up with our parents on drugs. Those those people that talk down about those young people, they didn't grow up with, with drug addicted parents, and they just and, don't get it. And Tyrone, I know I'm taking a lot of time, but you know what we would do? No, you, Even, you're doing an excellent job. I would go, Tyrone. I would like when the kids had a problem. Nobody messed with our kids. Mm. They come to me and tell me they had a problem. Even up their school, I put my uniform on, went up to school. Dealt with. <laughs> so my point is that those kids, they they you know they they could be somebody and they were protected and and even when one time I had kids stole something, I went I went to his house and recovered it and and brought it on back about to the South Center. So my point of it is is this too. I also want to tell you is that by them killing that program, now crime has spiked to an all time high. And I guarantee you, that some linked. of those children that are out there in the streets that are part of the mayhem, some of them died, and some of them maybe killed somebody, is because we need a program like that. And, a front-end program to catch these adverse use. 
and, and who it is in charge? Our people who at the top. The buck stops with the mayor. She wouldn't even come, and, and, and I'm not, this is not personal towards her because personally she's probably a good person or a nice person. But I'm saying she wouldn't even come to the meetings like they were having. we were having meetings to try to stop them from closing the centers. Now, she wouldn't show up. She sent the staff, and they were arrogant and ignorant. You're finished. When people would come up, yeah, great right, right. Crying, They're too good to listen to you. To them, Please don't do this. Please don't do this. They say you're better than the next person. They're, they're, too, they're too good to listen to you. They're your betters. I'm telling you, this, they, I said, that's so cold. And and, they, and, and and guess what? You know why? You they work know for why? you. I know why? I, don't, I can't read people's hearts. But I believe that, I mean, from my experience in the department, not all whites, because you had some good ones, but. Most of the white people wanted to end that program. You know why? Because it was for our kids. They How about that? Wait to get the permission. We don't understand the level of institutional racism that exists in Baltimore. We're gonna cover that in a little bit. But um, yeah, so, we, we got yeah. a couple callers. I, I appreciate yeah, you calling, Mister Eric. Um, you're, yeah. you're a good man, and I appreciate yeah, your help you for too. the community. You too. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's go to uh, Brother Carlos. Good afternoon, Brother Carlos. How's it going? Oh yeah. Hey, brothers. How you doing today? Doing all right. All right. How are you? Um, that that was an interesting call. That excellent call, uh, excellent call. That's why I love talks a lot. He was he was uh, knocking it down. Yeah. Now we probably need to, to find some further clarification uh, as to why uh, that mayor Sheila Dixon you know, <laughs> just, just dismantled that program. How about you know? that? Uh, and the thing about it is that I think it was a funding issue or something. If I if I was taking it, it was taking too much money away from other things or. But to me, that was that was more important than most of the things they got going on. Preventative measures, as opposed to what they say, an ounce of uh, cure. I mean, an ounce of pre- prevention. Prevention. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Cure is worth, you know. And yeah. I, I know exactly I see where you're coming. But you know, uh, the thing about it is that uh, you know uh, when you when you feed when you take away programs like that, it feeds the prison industrial. Of course, complex. of course, and, we know that. Uh, uh, and you know and. So, you know, you, you really have a prophecy out there that you're for self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, uh, when you uh, undermine programs for kids. But I wanted to say this, and I get off here with this, that when you guys are up in St. Mary's County, because uh, I've been up there, uh, it's amazing that you will see a uh, clans of Amish and Mennonites up there who live. You know, so you don't have to go up there to uh, Prince, uh, to uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They have... Uh, a whole yes, Amish country. Yes, yeah, community yeah. up there in St. Mary's County. Uh, I think uh, you know if you have the wherewithal, where you you can have uh, parents to get their kids, like you say, out of Baltimore City. Get them out of Baltimore, please. Yeah, there's things out of Baltimore. Get those so kids out of Baltimore. See. So they can see, at all costs. you know, the the green and the farming and and, yeah. and the different. Oh, it's beautiful out there. Cultures. Oh my God. Yeah, Greenery. different Just driving. Yeah, and and you know they got expansive land out there. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You could buy no house for you know, miles. <laughs> you could buy, yeah. You could buy like you know a, 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 a nice place with nice land, land and so forth at a reasonable price where you can really, really uh, expose your kids to a, a lot, uh, you know, greener, uh, safer type of an atmosphere. But I'm not saying leave out Baltimore City, but uh, uh, you know, you just, you just. Yeah, I had a friend that um, worked in D.C. when I was working in D.C. and he had a farm down there. He had a, um, a he had a tobacco farm down in St. Mary's, a black guy. <laughs> and I used to tease right. him. I said, it's about time to liberate your slaves. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I used to right. tease him. He, he had people who were working for him and everything. And I, I, I used to give, give him a heck about that farm. But um, he's a good guy. 
Well, you know, but a lot of those people uh, have that. They, they're getting subsidized by the government also. Of course, not the plan. Land, land uh, preservation program. Mm-hmm. So, and then you got, uh, uh, you don't see this in Baltimore City, but you got the farm credit bureaus uh, who have, uh, of offices down there that extend credit and, and uh, funds, you know, to. And some of them get direct grants, not to plant exactly, food. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, they don't want to call it welfare. We don't want to call it welfare, Brother Carlos. We don't want to call it welfare, but. No, no. Don't call it, don't call it welfare, word. but if it's, a, if, it's a, if it's in the inner city, it's free money, if it's in the city, you know, it's welfare. You poor, dumb, you poor, dumb, lazy, shiftless black folks, you know, uh, you're getting a food stuff, a few do, uh, dollars in food stamps, but these people are getting hundreds, and hundreds of thousands of dollars, dollars. not to not uh, to work, to pay them not to work. I appreciate your time, brother. All right, thank you. Thank Thanks you. for calling. Keep up, keep up the good work. Right. All right, thank you. let's go to. Uh, Thanks for calling, in, brother Carlos. Always something good to say. Um, let's go to, uh, uh, before we go to Leo, Leo, could you hold on a second, please? Um, uh, let's, let's find out about the roots of institutional racism and then hold on, uh, brother Leo, we'll get to you. So Baltimore, like anywhere else is largely good, but it has a microcosm of it. It's like the prototype for the prison cycle so somebody comes up in a neighborhood and they just have no hope and they keep feeding that school to prison cycle over and over and over again and it has a deep history in baltimore so it invades everything so whether you're talking about are the things the police do or whether you're talking about where they live in baltimore the you have clusters so you have a, a black neighborhood here a black neighborhood here black neighborhood here white money white money white money low-income white and it's in these clusters but these clusters were intentionally formed by the law uh, in baltimore I, I can't even say how long ago maybe 100 years ago and you still have deeds now that say you can't sell that the house to an african-american person so like even if you were a doctor there you couldn't if you were a black doctor you couldn't buy a house in a nice white neighborhood 60 years ago so you had to still go buy a house in that little area, and that if you're if you're clustering everybody like that, it just pulls everybody down constantly, constantly, constantly. It's like it's, they're just constantly beat down. There's just no way out. So sixty years ago, sixty years ago, you couldn't buy a house if you were a black guy right. in certain neighborhoods. Right. And was it law? They had this on the. It books? was in the deeds. Jeez. Still, some of the deeds still have it. Still, what? Right. So, still, so, to this so day? No, no court's going to uphold it, but you'll still see it. You'll see it in there. So, you see the language. So if there's a white neighborhood today, there's there's a possibility that some black person who wants to move into this white neighborhood might encounter some resistance because of this. I don't know if they're going to encounter resistance, but they're going to see it in the deed. That's going to make you feel awkward. So we're denying that we have this. So, so what people are saying, these cops aren't racist. I'm not saying they are racist. What I'm telling you is they're participating in institutionalized racism, just like everybody in Britain was doing back in Kenya with the Mau Mau's, however long ago that was. That was a long time ago. And you're, you're seeing it come out how it's just the whole thing. If you're participating in it, you're guilty. And that's what I'm telling you. I'm guilty. I participated in it. Okay, what he was talking about about the deeds, <laughs> um, you know, where they said don't, don't, um, not to be sold to a black person or colored person or or Negro, whatever. You, where they didn't use black, they used Negro colored. Okay, I actually saw one of those deeds. Uh, one of my clients uh, that I put a system in for showed me his deed, and it actually still said that on the deed. So that's true. Baltimore is is still a segregated city. We don't know that, but it's a segregated city. There actually neighborhoods in Baltimore. You may not, they may or may not know that. There aren't any blacks living there. Maybe a token or you know one or two, but 
but I've been in some of those neighborhoods, you know, doing my work a day, you know, in my business. So I, I, I get that, um, that some of these, that the segregation uh, does exist in Baltimore. A lot of people uh, don't get it and they don't know why. But if you read uh, Antero Patera's book, Down in My Neighborhood, which is about Baltimore and how even the FHA participated in this segregation and, and this, uh, and in some cases, blockbusting, and in some cases, redlining, you understand it completely. Because there's a whole book about that, the segregation of Baltimore, and how it was actually backed by the federal government back in the, in the uh, 30s and 40s and, and even up to the 60s. Uh, uh, Leo? Good afternoon, Leo. Uh, brother Tyrone, how you doing? All right, sir. How's it going, Brother Leo? Excellent program, sir. Marvelous. Praise God. Keep doing what you're doing. I was told that the origin of police was slave catchers. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that the slave catchers, show, and, and they still that. they still believe the tenets of institutional racism, which is sla- catching slaves. <laughs> and <laughs> and an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Now the police athletic league was successful. It was good. But why retain something good? Listen to my satire. Why retain something that's good if it's going to succeed in bringing about better police-community relations? The powers that be don't really want that. They don't want African people to survive. And, of course, the concept of an occupying army. Oh, my God. Is, yeah, is, that's one is, of the things. Is alive and well. These right. folks don't live in the city, right, 99% right, right. of them. Leo, Leo, what you just said about the occupying army, that's exactly what that police officer, Michael Wood, that we uh, had the clips on, that's exactly how he described their thinking, is that they are an occupying army. It's us against them. And even the blacks can participate in it because some of the blacks are actually harder. On the black, he he knows as a white guy, he knows that some of the blacks are actually harder on the blacks than the, the whites are because even, they want either they're embarrassed that the black people are making black people look bad or in their minds, even or, though, or they they um they they just got feel like they have something to prove to the other whites. Even though some black politicians are in mid-level authority positions, oh my god, they're still I'm afraid of that. white folks and they defer to. The Greater Baltimore Committee, the right. Baltimore Development Corporation, and rich white people and the dictates of rich white people would say, you got to control these black folks. So the reality is, in signing off, that genocide is alive and well, and we've got to make sure it doesn't happen to us by any means necessary. And that's why we try to get this information out so that people understand what's going on, because we've been bamboozled and brainwashed for so long, we think this is normal. It ain't normal. It ain't normal. It's... it's uh, Directed directly at our part is a war against us. Okay, they, they have us, whatever you want. They programmed us to hate each other, and we can overcome that. Right, that's called divide and conquer. Praise God. All right, keep up the good work, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Okay, so let's. Uh, well, you got brother Rashid up there. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see what he has to say. But then we're going to go to how to fix this thing. Good afternoon. How's it going? How's it going, bro? I'm doing well. And what we have to understand, we have to leave old business as it is and start new businesses. That's what we're not doing. And what I'm saying to us, as a race of people, all one people with one nationality and with one national plan. And that national plan is for all of us to have a free national name registered in the government. Because we are a government. We have to leave old business as it is and begin new business. This is the new business. Proclaim your nationality under a free national standard, and maybe we can move from there because that Negro, black, and color is not getting it. 
It okay. don't work all over the world. Okay, sir. I, That's I agree. why it's a negative name. Stop using negative name. It's a negative. It's yeah. a negative, brother. Yes, it I, I, yeah, negative the, energy. The root, the root word of Negro is is negative. Because <laughs> negative energy, whatever you want to call it, is negative. Thank you so much for your comment. Really appreciate it. Call back next week. Okay, uh, okay. Now let's go to how we fix this thing, and then we'll we'll pick up the other callers. Just hold on, callers, please. The drug war, and then we have money and politics. Those are our two big issues that we have to solve before we get anywhere. Well, what is the money and politics? How does that play in? So. I don't think we can change anything until we stop having politicians that are serving their donors versus serving the people. So somebody that's talking like me is never going to run a police agency as long as all their corporate donors are saying, no, 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 you keep those animals in the cages because that's what they do. I mean, that's a good joke in Baltimore that police are actually the zookeepers. You keep everything in and don't let it hit the county. So, so that's, that's our role. That's what we're doing. So your mayors and your politicians are going to continue to encourage that. They're not going to take a risk and say, all right, how do we lower juvenile possession of marijuana? You know that. I know you do. You know you legalize it. Yeah. And you control it. And rates actually go down. Whether we're overseas or we're in Colorado, your, your possession rates for marijuana will go down among juveniles. But we don't do that. We keep looking at everything like we're a hammer searching for nails. And we keep looking for what we're going to hit to stop it instead of standing back and using science and figuring out what are we actually going to do to fix this problem. What will actually have results? This is... This is a I mean, this is a very rare to hear a cop talk like this. I'm I'm really happy that you're coming forward and and speaking like this. Okay, and one of the things that he cites um, is that the uh, and we'll talk about this uh, further detail is that the the the, uh, the war on drugs actually causes a lot of the mass incarceration, and we've said that many times on this on this program. We can't figure this out, but um, you know, give, it gives the police a reason to to stop you, to detain you, and to arrest you, and in some cases brutalize you, in some cases kill you okay because of the war on drugs and um and most of as that as that police officer indicated most of the arrests 90 percent of them are, are drug related because um it's easy to catch somebody stand on the corner selling dope even though whites sell more dopes than, than we do they do it indoors um so let's go to hampton good afternoon hampton good afternoon, how's it going gentlemen good afternoon sir uh give me a pleasure to say not in my neighborhood. They had it up at Bologna Library, and I was really amazed to all the people up back like they didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and the way uh, they don't say our name, but they, whenever they want to sell a house or something, they don't want blacks and Jews up there. They don't say that. They just make the price so high you can't get in. Did you read that book, sir? Yes, I bought the book. Okay, it's a good book. It's yeah, good book. it's a good, good read. Book. Yeah. And he was explaining how they were moving blacks, and Jews from one section of East Baltimore clean on over to uh, the what's Street. the name of it over there? I forgot the name of the mm. right now. But the, he was explaining that they was actually doing this. This wasn't no mistake. This right. Was it was mistake. it was engineered. Exactly. Yeah, That's true. And the same thing go with drugs, which I have a son, which is 24, and I always said to him three things. Don't sell drugs. Don't hang on the corner. And don't get no gang. That's what I told myself. And don't use don't, drugs. <laughs> no, no, I ain't gonna tell him don't use drugs because he better not use drugs. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> he definitely don't want to do that. That's you want to be a slave. He was going to school at at uh, Reginald Lawrence, 
and I would go up there every time the parents teaching me. There's only nine parents there, and I'm saying, stop on the students, only nine parents. He would come home and beg me, Dad, please don't go to parents teaching me no more. I said, what's wrong with you? Because you leave our number there and on to the teacher. If I give you any trouble, just call me. He said, and the rest of the kids hear, hear that. You're okay, and, and they get on him about it. Or when it's come time to take a test, he take a test and pass. He mm. said, I can't pass this test. All the kids be on me. I said, you got to face them with me, bro. Who you going to face? <laughs> you know so I understand good what you're saying. But yeah. some black people just don't, don't get, it. get it. You can't do this. Mm-hmm. But you're walking into their trap. Okay? Yeah. So it's been a pleasure talking to you. Have it's a nice been a pleasure. Uh, you call it. Call it next week, sir. Appreciate you, you talking to you. You got it. Okay, now let's talk about um, uh, um, what's causing mass incarceration. Then we'll go back to the callers. Caring about what we actually need to do. We need to end the damn drug war. This is ridiculous that we're doing this. So that's most of what you're arresting people for. Oh, gosh. I don't. Is it all I, of it? 90? 90%? Jesus how crazy is that? Ninety percent. That's all that matters. There is guns and drugs. Guns and drugs. Guns and drugs. Guns and drugs. And guns probably are there so they could sell drugs and defend themselves. And defend themselves. Right. Just a bizarre police state set up by the fact that drugs are illegal. Man, it, it, it does. I mean, it invades the the entire thing. So when uh, we we saw what happened with alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. So gangs. Yep. Take over, yep. and you have violence. Do you want to lower the violence? Isn't that the mission of the police? Do you want to lower the violence? Then every single chief out there needs to be saying, hey, we need to end this drug war. Stop it. Yeah, how many cops are saying that we need to stop bars? How about how about none? The definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result. And that is the definition of insanity, right? Totally agree. There, there's, just, there's no way around it that we're doing this wrong. And that's why I'm saying... The, the only reason I'm saying this is because... We are doing it so wrong, and it's so blatantly wrong. It's, it's like you have to have a cognitive bias to not see this. Like how, how the, it's really the older generation. I kind of have pretty much confidence that our generations and younger will be able to solve this mm-hmm. once we get in power. But how they don't see this now is absolutely baffling. And I, don't, I think they don't see it because it doesn't affect them. So why should they care? Okay, now he just <laughs> explained some things we've been saying for a long time on the show that the, the gun violence and all that stuff is, is interrelated. We keep thinking as black people that it's a separate issue, but it's the same. It's all it's all interconnected. And um, with the war on drugs, um, you had the uh, the um, uh, and they mentioned pro- uh, prohibition in that clip. Um, alcohol was actually people didn't, didn't know what he was talking about. What he was talking about alcohol. Alcohol was illegal in this country from 1919 to around 1933, due to the Volstagg Act, uh, uh, which is known as the Prohibition Act. And during that time, you had all kinds of gangsters arise, you know, um, and the mafia was <laughs> was formed because people could actually make money selling illegal alcohol. They'd make alcohol in the bathtub and all kinds of stuff. And um, you, that was the rise of Al Capone and his network. And um, they became, uh, in our money, billionaires, you know, by selling, you know, illegal alcohol. And it caused a lot of violence on the streets. That They had drive-bys. You know, they invented drive-bys, <laughs> by the way, and on the streets of Chicago and, and other big cities. And uh, everybody's in on the take. The, the, sometimes the police chief was in on the take. And, and sometimes the mayor was in on the take. And the only thing that actually stopped all the violence with the alcohol sales is legalizing alcohol. Okay? So uh, when, you think, when you take something that's black, a black market item and you make it illegal, what you're doing is that you make it profitable for gangs. And gangs and organized crime, 
need a reliable source of income to stay in business in order to pay their people. And uh, drugs and things like alcohol are the perfect remedy if you want to keep your uh, enterprise, your illegal enterprise afloat. Okay, let's go to uh, Gene. Good afternoon, Gene. How's it going? Yeah, pretty good, guys. You guys all always on point. I just want to, you know, make one add one one thing: the uh, uh, Brown versus the Board of Education, because you're talking about segregation Gee. and uh, the uh, seg- you're segregation. You're subject, man. Segregation. No, 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 no. And just in reference to housing patterns. Okay. And um, you know, while we have the, uh, I know you're a very knowledgeable man of history, but sometimes. You- <laughs> no, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go I ahead. want to switch the subject. If, if, I'm, if no. I'm off base, cut me off. Oh no no! I want you to I want you to um, talk about this subject, but but tired. No 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 no, no, no. So, make time. So, make oh, time. That's okay. I just wanted to, you know this this housing patterns are just not considered um, when when we when we're dealing with de jure and uh, and de facto se- segregation. That's all. You okay. know what I mean? It's just not considered, um, and that's p- part of the root of the problem. But the, but in reference to you know you already hit, you already uh, stole my thunder when you t- just talked about prohibition because the the. Uh, what do you call it? The um, not not yeah, but not not the symptoms, but the the uh, the ills of it are the same. You know, we're gunning each other down in the street just like the mobsters did back in the twenties. Well, those were white people back then. The, the Italians were at the bottom rung of the ladder in terms of white people because mm-hmm. they were the newly the new immigrants. Were immigrants, right? And um, just like the Irish were back in the 1800s. Just like the Irish were, you know, because even even John Kennedy's father was a was a uh, bootlegger. Yes, you know, and that's how he got his rich sure, riches. He he he. He um, what he did was he um, um laundered a lot of that money in Hollywood, but um he got his money illegally from from prohibition. The man oh. and his son ended up becoming president of the United States, uh-huh. and he was an ambassador. Yeah, okay, so, you know, again, you know, like I said, it, 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 the, the kids basically are doing the same thing. They're they're gunning each other down for territory, etc. Same as same as the, uh, the same. Yeah, history repeats itself. Did, you know what I mean? The and, architects of the war on drugs understood that yeah. people like Nixon and and uh, yeah. you know that ilk, they understood. That um, if you take something like that and put it in, in neighbor our neighborhoods, mm-hmm. that's that's what results. You oh, know, no, self destruction. Yeah, just like you said, the, the, the only thing that's going to solve it is is actually you know legalize. Yeah, medicalization. A lot of countries did that, and the ones that did, they found out that their the um, addiction rates went down. Yeah, but still, there's always a component to it because, uh, like I tell the guy I was talking about his son. My son, I got a son's 22, and what right. I tell and what okay, his basic success right now is based on the fact that he could pay he could pass the urine test. Right, and it's real simple. You know, these are the traps but, that they use. You know what I mean? It's right, like, exactly. Now, so, now, 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 that's my basic accuse us too, uh, Gene. By the way, a lot of us uh-huh. we can pass a urinalysis, and uh, you're right. These are tri- tricks that they 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 capture us right. on. But the thing about it is, the fact that drugs are illegal doesn't stop me from buying drugs. Those people got to okay. realize. That's that. I could get that's dope any any time of day, yeah. any any night, any any yeah. hour of the day. Right. Any day of the week. Yeah, and, and just and, like, uh, you know. And it's illegal. It's illegal, but yeah, it's I mean, not but, stopping me. But the, okay, but the, uh, the thing we, uh, I, I mean, me personally, I think that we, we can't concentrate on, on eliminating poverty because in capitalism, there's always going to be a, a, po- a uh, poverty component. Now, but we could have some socialism that can, uh, you know, build safety nets, et cetera. But, you know, there's always going to be some poverty. I yeah, think. but we need to clear the board a little bit, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, to- I, believe in, I believe in self-determination. I believe in, in struggling and... And uh, uh, you know meritocracies and all yeah. that, and doing the best you can. I believe in that hard yeah, work and I excellence. Guess, and I was I taught that. All, let me finish. I was taught that all my life. I believe in self uh, and responsibility and all. I know a lot of people find it hard to believe by listening to me, mm-hmm. but I do believe in personal responsibility. I just okay. don't like all those tricks and traps they put into our oh, neighborhoods yeah. to stop our young people. Yeah, I think we disagree. That, the same, you know, same, we, same. We, we, we get the same opportunities that I had. No, I'm sorry. We just need to be aware that there are traps and deal and deal with those traps. Right. All right. So you guys always, you know, keep up the good work, man. 
Right. Thank and, you so much. And I would say I would like the same the same opportunities that I had for the young people that's coming up in those neighborhoods. I don't want them stopped for marijuana and given a criminal record, stopping them from, from being able to get into the military or whatever they decide they might want to do with their lives because they, they got arrested for marijuana when they was, you know, uh, 18 or 21. The rest of their life is screwed because of that. I don't want that. I know people are against drugs. I'm against drugs. But I don't want the whole entire uh, black community destroyed because of it. I don't want one in three black males incarcerated because of it. That's not the way to solve the war on drugs. That's not the way to solve the drug problem, especially if, if more whites are using drugs than we are and more whites are selling drugs than we are. You'll never solve it by locking up every day on the street. But, uh, Zach, and I was just going to say, um, um, when you look at the research from uh, Stephanie DeLuca, who was a Johns Hopkins sociologist uh, who wrote the book Coming of Age and uh, the Other America, um, she did her research based on the Move Into Opportunity program and the uh, outcomes of uh, youth who were able to, um, you know, live in other communities outside of the communities cr uh, created by the uh, blockbusting and the redlining that we just spoke of. And they found that when they actually were exposed to other things and um, actually uh, got projects. Uh, 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 what they basically called identity projects that they could work on that the uh, outcomes were different and also that um, these children actually sought them out um, and, and you know worked really hard at them and that actually um, helped them out with their projects so Michael Wood is actually working on that now um, right, a right. Lot of people he actually spoke about that he said right. that people people imitate what they see right. and in one of those clips he um, not the one I played but in one of those clips he actually spoke about that people actually imitate what they see if you go look at tribal mores you'll see that people They'll put markings on their face and all that stuff. They imitate what they see. People pull their pants down on their butt because they imitate what they see. So it's good to get away from that environment, a criminal environment, so that you can see that there are other ways to make money. There are other ways to live. Right. Um, and with that, we'll be concluding another informative edition of the Call Tyrone Show. Um, I hope you've gotten something from this. And um, the only thing we're, we're saying is that uh, – uh, they're, they're saying that one in three black males born today will be incarcerated. And, and not only is that unacceptable to Bernie Sanders, it's unacceptable to me. And it should be unacceptable to you unless something's wrong with you and you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. So feel free to join us next week. And I thank all the callers for calling in. Feel free. Sorry if you couldn't get in or whatever. But feel free to call us next week for another exciting edition of the Call Tyrone Show at 2 p.m. on Monday. And I thank you for your time.